Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. copy of God's Word, once you find the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 is where we're going to start at tonight, but we're going to be all over the map. So I want to remind you that you can follow us digitally using the YouVersion Bible app. And so if that's news to you, you can go to the App Store. It's the most downloaded Bible app that you can find in the App Store, and then you can navigate. We have a digital guide that will help you uh, obtain all the scripture we're going to be at tonight. And so for the rest of us, you're going to be able just to keep up in your own Bible and that sort of thing. And so I want to invite you to find 1 Timothy. It's in the New Testament, and you're going to find it there, 1 Timothy chapter 2. And you guys are dropping in on a series that we've simply called Paradigm. And here's what we said is that everybody has come to Paradigm, this, this place, this thing that we do weekly, um, with a personal paradigm. And a paradigm is basically like a way of doing life. And so all of us have come into this place with a particular way of doing life. And in this series, what we're hoping to do is challenge your personal paradigm and then help you understand the biblical paradigm or biblical way of life. And so we wanna challenge your thinking in the hopes that Jesus will begin to change the way that you live. And so what we did week one of this series is that we had to deconstruct some things. Because I don't know if you are anything like me, but I've tried to change in my life before. There have been some things I'm like, I really hate that I do that, you know? And so I was like, all right, I'm gonna get a plan together and I'm gonna get some psychology and I'm gonna get some religion and I'm just kind of gonna blend them all together, get this cocktail of like triumph. And then I went out and I tried it and it it didn't work, you know? And so I was like, why do I even bother with this thing? And, and a lot of us, we've tried to change only to realize that, that we're not very good at changing. And here's what we said week one is that any self-centered ways of changing will not work. And so we took out the trash. We deconstructed some things week one. And then Pastor Phil, my pastor, he was here last week and he just told you guys a lot of things. But one of the things he said is that the power to change is only gonna come from the one who holds the power of the universe. And I'm not talking about Thanos, all right? I'm talking about God, all right? And he said that God is the one that created everything. And when you partner with God, he moves into your life and he gives you new life from the inside out. But God just doesn't want to leave you there. Like he doesn't just want to give you like positional uh, rights standing with him. He wants to give you the power to have abundant life now, right? And so we said that God is the one that is on your side. And then tonight we are continuing kind of this, this part of the process called the preparation for a new paradigm before we start to build a new paradigm in weeks ahead. And so as you are finding your way to First Timothy, I just want to tell you that that. Long before I ever started doing this, I had this deep dream to be a dynamic athlete. And so I grew up playing sports. I'm the baby of three boys, and it was a comp- everything's competitive in my household. I was even playing croquet with my daughters the other day with a little girl croquet set, and I'm out there like, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, daddy's about to win all these stuff, you know. Like, what's wrong with me, you know? Anyway, and so I'm so competitive, and when it came to football, this was my sport of choice, and I was able to play at the next level, and I dreamed of being a dynamic athlete. And, and up until my, my uh, college career, like I, I kind of prided myself on like I was the disciplined guy. I was the hardworking guy. And so I was there before people. I was trying to push more weight than other people. And I would stay later. And I was trying to get bigger and stronger and faster. But I realized that I had met my lid and I needed some extra help. 
And so when I went to college, I met this coach, and his name was Coach Few, and I had a love-hate relationship with Coach Few. First of all, he just, he was one of those coaches that I was like, bro, have you ever played football? Like, just, you know, what's going on, you know? It just, I didn't have much respect for him, but what Coach Pugh's job was, when I looked at him, I didn't have much respect for him, but then I started playing for him, and my respect grew greatly. And his job was to, when we went to college, they would film all of our practices, and he would review the practice film, and then the reason why I had such a love-hate relationship is that he was always in my kitchen, y'all. Like, he was like, you didn't do this right, you didn't do this right, you didn't do this right, and we were watching film, and he, he kind of had this underbite with this goatee and this bald head, you know, he's rubbed the back of his neck, and he would kind of get frustrated, and he'd mumble like this, and he's like, Glover, you're not attacking the V of the neck, right, you know, and I'm in East Texas, I'm like, what did you say, you know, and, and what's the V of the neck, and so he wanted us to take our hands and put them in a precise location on our opponent. He wanted us to be in a very precise style of stance, we had to replace our feet, we couldn't step 12 inches, we had to step six inches, and he was all in the details, and he was so specific in all of the coaching that he did, and I listened to my coach, and I reached a new level in my career. And I shared that with you because here's what I know to be true, that nothing is dynamic until it becomes specific. And I think every one of us has come in here tonight, and, and when it comes to life, we want to live a dynamic life. You know what dynamic means. It means vivacious. It's abundant. It's exciting. It's adventurous. It's full. And that's the type of life that you and I want to live, but we'll never be who God has created us to be until we get specific. That nothing is dynamic until it is specific, but we don't like specificity, Right? Like, we don't like somebody to kind of get up in our business and, and get a little bit too close. Like, we don't like people to get up in our kitchen, if you will, and start telling us what we need to change. We like to kind of like stay in the comfort zone of generalities, you know, and so we're like dodging specific coaching from the Holy Spirit or from God. Like, it's a game of dodgeball, and if we get hit, we're at the game, right? And we've grown accustomed to get really good at dodging the specific, um, uh, the specific instructions or coaching of God in our life. And so we'll come in here, we'll, we'll kind of talk spiritual talk like, hey man, what's God working on in your life? You're like, you know, I mean, God's he's just working on me. I'm just trying to love better. You know, I'm just trying to get better at love. You know, I'm just trying to, um, I'm, you know, I'm trying to trust in the Lord. Or, you know, people, maybe they're not even there yet. They're like, man, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to explore my faith a little bit. And we'll kind of stay in the land of generalities and we'll come into a place like this and we'll get some specific kind of like conviction or guilt or whatever you want to call it. We're like, you know what, I really probably should address that. And we'll sing some songs, we'll have some heartfelt promises, we'll leave this space and then we'll go back to the same one or two vices that is eating our lunch day in and day out. And tonight we're gonna get specific because so often when, the, when God is speaking to us, and we don't fully surrender to his work in our life, we begin to blame God like it's his fault that we don't change. Like, like he's got a, a power deficit, and that's the reason why we don't change. Like that would, that would be just as crazy as me saying that my coach was a bad coach because I didn't want to listen to him. And my coach, his coaching was not dependent upon my ability to listen. His coaching was consistent all the way through. And my coach would make me aware of, some of y'all, y'all played sports, and y'all remember seeing the guy that, or the girl that when the coach got on to him, they were like, what you know about me? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an athlete, you know? Who are you to know? And they're like, I'm trying to help you out. I'm not mad at you. Actually, what I've come to find, find out is that the coach that was the hardest on me was the one that believed the most in me. 
Because if he didn't ever say anything or correct anything, that means he didn't care about me. And so we've come in here tonight, and just like I wanted to be a more dynamic athlete when I was playing college football, I had a choice to make whether or not I was going to listen to the coach. And, and my coach's coaching was not dependent upon my ability or my game, but my game went to the next level because I decided, listen, to listen to his coaching, to get the information, the specific things that I needed to change in my life. Your life will never change. Your life will never be dynamic until you get specific about what needs to be surrendered over to the holy coaching of God in your life. If you're taking notes and I've titled this message, let's get specific. Let's get specific. I'm up in your kitchen tonight, y'all. But, but it's okay, because God's been up in my kitchen all week. I never, I never uh, sell something I ain't smoke, if you know what I'm saying. I never serve something I ain't cook, if you know what I'm saying. And so the Spirit of God, he's been doing some work in my life, and I'm just here to share the good news with you. <laughs> Let's get specific. I got five things that I want to uh, throw your way tonight that's going to help you get specific. When it comes to specificity and getting down into the details, my guy Paul is the guy to go to. Paul, he was a guy that was trying to come alongside of people who were trying to follow God, and he was trying to help them understand what that looked like practically. And Paul wasn't like, you know what, you just kind of generally head in that direction, and it'll be all right. No, he's like, you do this, you do this, you stop doing this, you put this on, you put this off, this is how you follow God. And Paul, he gives us some things about what it looks like to follow God and get specific. And here's what he says in 1 Timothy 2, starting in verse 4. He said this, God desires that all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, when it comes to what God is trying to do specifically, we gotta understand what he's, doing to, what he's doing generally to all people. And the first thing is this, is that he's trying to help everyone understand that you can't do it alone. Like, why, why would God create you and then create a construct where you could become all that you were created to be apart from him? Like that, that, that wouldn't make sense. Like God, he desires a relationship with everybody here tonight. But the problem is, is that we are separated from God in our sin. See, there is a serious sickness that we've all brought in here tonight, and it ain't COVID-19, praise God. The serious sickness that we've all brought in here tonight is the sickness called sin. And if you don't know what sin is, sin is when you do something that hurts the heart of God. So that could be you um, not doing something. That could be you not sharing your, your wealth with somebody that needs you to share your wealth with. That, that could be you not, um, you, you not helping somebody out where you are able to help somebody. Or that could mean you doing something foolish that you know you shouldn't do. That sin, it separates us from God. And what's crazy is that God does not respond to us based upon our first response to him. Like, think about it this way. If you treated someone, or excuse me, if someone treated you the way that you've treated God, how would you respond to that person? Let me ask that again. If someone treated you the way that you've treated God, how would you respond to that person? In love? Somebody like, I'd be really mad at that person because you're being honest about how you treated God, right? But God, he doesn't respond to us based upon our response to him. God's response is unconditional. It's because of his character. And the sickness is sin, but the solution is love. That God loved you and me even while we were yet sinners, and the way he proved his love to us, he didn't just say, oh, I love you guys, are just so sweet. No, he didn't say that. 
Like the way he proved his love is he demonstrated it. Love does. It doesn't just share its words. It does. And so Jesus, in order to demonstrate his own love for us, he laid down his life. He died a sinner's death on a cross. He was strung out naked, put nails in his wrists and in his feet, and he died. The son of God, perfect, blameless, died. And when he died physically, he also died spiritually. The wrath of almighty God that has been damned up for all of our rebellion was poured out upon Jesus. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. And today he is alive and he ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And he rules the galaxies with the, like a footstool and he has his feet up and he is Lord of all. The, the, the sickness is sin. The solution is God's love. But your response is a surrender. And you'll never be the person that God has created you to be apart from a right relationship with God that God desires. This is like what, he, what keeps him up at night. He's like, oh, I just want more of these kids. God desires that all would come to a saving knowledge of him. And here's what you need to know. Maybe you've come in here and it's, it's hard to believe that. You're like, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Well, I would say you don't completely understand what God's done for you. That you're, I told this to a lady the other day that's gone through all kinds of crazy things. And I was like, girl, your, your wickedness and the things you've done, like I can't imagine. But here's what you need to know. If you feel like you've done too much wrong and that God can't bring you in, listen, God's grace is never quenched by our wickedness. That his grace always moves in like a flood, like Hurricane Laura, Laura and just floods everything. That God's grace is amazing. And when our sin abounds, his grace abounds all the more. So God, he, I would tell you that he loves you right where you are tonight. And he accepts you. You, have to, you don't have to do anything to be accepted by God. But by his grace, he will not leave you there. See, God, he, he's, he wants to save you, to change you. Paul, he would write later in 1 Thessalonians 4, Verse three, he would say this, that this is God's will. So you're like, what's God's plan for my life? Well, he wants a right relationship with you. And then this is God's will. His will for you is for your sanctification. Now, that's just a big word that means that he wants to transform you into the image of a son. That he wants you to live like Jesus lived. That God's will for your life is your sanctification. See, God always cleans what he catches. And he's not gonna bring you into a right relationship with him and say, okay, you're forgiven and then not try to lead you to freedom. Point number one, if you're taking notes, you could write this down, surrender to God's will. Surrender to God's will. If you want God to get into the specifics of your life, it starts with the right relationship with him. And you've gotta be willing to surrender to his will. God's will for everybody is salvation. And then God's work in your life is this thing called sanctification. Again, we don't use that word a lot. We're not like, you know, what'd you do? Well, I watched the Chiefs pull it off in overtime. Let's go. And then I was sanctified after that, you know? Like, well, that was probably the sanctification process for some of us. Anyway, and so, no, we're like, we don't use that word, right? We don't say, yeah, I was hanging out, watched the game, and then I was sanctified later. No, like, so what does that mean? This word means that he wants to transform you. God has saved you to change you. He wants to deliver us from the things that keep plaguing us. And we can be fully confident that God will change us if we ask. 
that we've got to have faith and we've got to have confidence that when we come to God and say, God, I surrender to your will, would you please change me? Would you work on me specifically? That God always says yes to this prayer. God loves us, but he loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us where we are. And so we've got to surrender to his will. I wonder if you've ever done that before. Can you look back at a time in your life where you surrendered your will, you said, God, I'm, I'm waving the white flag, if you will, and I'm gonna give my life over to you. And would you move in and would you change me from the inside out? And if you haven't done that, we would love to help you do that tonight. Well, once you surrender to God's will, you're ready to move on into the specifics of God beginning to change you. Uh, David is this guy in the Bible, and he's like, man, I, I wanna be God's man. I wanna be the person that God's created me to be, and, and, and even God says this about David in the Bible, that he was a man after God's own heart, that David is this great pitcher, not a perfect man, he had issues, all right? And so he had issues, but he wanted to be God's man, and we get a snapshot into David's prayer life, and here's one of the prayers that he prays, and I encourage you, if you're looking for something to memorize, if you need a new verse or a couple of verses, this is the verse for you to memorize. And here's what it says in Psalm 139, 23 and 24. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. What a great prayer. Search me, O God. God has a warrant. He's knocking on your door and he's ready to search you, all right? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. Point number two, if you're taking notes tonight, you could write this down. Search me, God. Search me, God. If, if you're gonna surrender to the holy coaching of God and if you're gonna see life change in your life, you're gonna need to learn to pray this prayer often. God, would you search me? Would you try my anxious thoughts and would you see if there's anything in me that is not of you and would you reveal it so that I can turn from it? What a great prayer to pray. See, what the scripture says is that God, he, he, he fearfully and wonderfully made you, that he knit you together in your mother's womb. And when God was putting your DNA together and all your curly hair, your straight hair, or your short body, your tall body, whatever it was, however he made you, God was envisioning a specific plan for your life. God is not giving some broad brushstrokes of generalities like I just hope that they kind of do something, you know, no, he has a specific plan. God is in the details of our lives. But make no mistake, before God wants you to be a great artist, or before God wants you to be a great financial guru, or before God wants you to be somebody in the hospital field or some sort of uh, uh, electrician or whatever it is, God wants to do one thing greater than all of those things, and he wants to form you into the image of a son. That God's agenda in your life is to make you into Christ-likeness that he wants to work all things in our life to form us into the image of his son. Like, like God has a strategy for you. God is righteously stubborn in his desire to change you into Christ likeness. Now, Philippians 1.6 says that he who began a good work will complete it. God's not done with you. He's not tired of you. He's not bored with you. God has such great, grand dreams for every one of you here tonight. And none of them are greater than you being formed into the image of his son. But we have to pray, oh God, would you search me? Would you allow this, 
this precision to come into my life. God is precise. His love is not a pampering love, not to come sit on my lap and let me just kind of stroke your hair and tell you how cute and how pretty you are. He may do that, but God's love is a perfecting love that he wants to shape you and to form you like a divine sculptor. He has his Holy Spirit chisel and he's knocking away anything that doesn't possess the likeness of his son. That God's greatest goal in your life and in my life is to conform us to his image so that we can become the man or the woman that God has created us to become. And so pray, God, search me. Do an inventory on my heart. Would you reveal anything in my life that is displeasing to you and help me to wage war against it? Would you be, will, would you be willing to pray that prayer? And then by faith, trust that the Spirit of God as he's, as he's reviewing the film of your life, that this holy coach of God would speak into your life and coach you up. There's this quote by uh, one of the greatest coaches of all time, and he coached God's team. Uh, Tom Landry is coaching the Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys in the 1970s, and, and he's one of the most qu quoted coaches of all time, and he said this about his men. He says, I make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. I love that. But Landry wasn't trying to be their buddy. He wasn't trying to be their, their guru. He wasn't trying to be their pal. He was their coach. He was their leader. And he made the men do what they didn't want to do. He made them do hard things. He made them make sacrifices. He got into the details of their life. Why? So that they could become the athlete that they always dreamed they could be. And this is such a great picture of Jesus. Jesus is not your buddy. Jesus is not your homeboy. He is the Lord of all. He is the king of the universe. And he is stepping into your life not to just kind of coddle you and coax you along as you continue to drift into disobedience. He wants to shape you into, your, into his likeness. He sees all that you can be. He sees the father that you can be, men, before you ever have any children. He sees the mother that you can be, women, before you ever have any children. He sees the difference that you can make, even if you never got married. He sees the 50-year-old you, and he's trying to shape you into a glorious representation of himself. And so we pray, oh God, would you search me? And if you want a new paradigm and you want a new way of life, then you start praying, God, search me. And come to him willing, because God will not reveal what needs to be revealed to someone that is not ready to listen. He wants you surrendered. He wants you to come to him and say, God, no restrictions. Lord, Lord, anything in my life, it's, it's on the table, period. Come on, man, y'all know this. Like, y'all like me. You got something over here. Like, we have, we have like two lists, right? We've got this list of things. We're like, you know what? Like, I know I need to work on these things. And, and God, you can, you know, you, you, you can help me with these things. Like, I know I ate too much ice cream this week. Like, they're not like, like you know, really, really, you know, private, personal things. It's like, it's like ice cream or something. Maybe that's your issue. But anyway, if that's it, sorry. So I don't mean to make light of that. So, Anyway, we kind of have this list of things that we're like, you know, God, you can, you can work on this. But then we have this list over here, and we're like Smeagol on the ring, and it's precious, you know. We're like, don't take it, you know. It's my sex life, or it's my finances, or it's my worries. If I don't worry about the world, who will, you know? And it's like, we'll, we'll let the Spirit have full access to this, but not this. And God's saying, I'm either Lord of all, or I'm not Lord at all. And we come to him and we surrender, God, search me. 
And once we've surrendered and we've had this posture of, God, I'm, sur- I'm surrendered to you, I'm, I'm inviting you to search me, we then go and we search the scriptures. Because I don't know if you know this, but God has preserved his word throughout history. This book is fascinating. There's not another book like this. And what we believe about, about the Bible is what Jesus believed about the Bible, that somehow, I can't really explain it, but I can't deny it, that the word of God is alive. That, that when you read the word of God, it has a way of reading you. That, that the word of God, sometimes it's like bullets that you shoot at the enemy. Sometimes it's like Band-Aids that you, that you use to heal in some wounds in your life. And then other times it's like bread to give you sustenance. And the word of God, it is so unique. And God has preserved miraculously throughout thousands of years, some specific lists that you and I are gonna read tonight. Because we need to change. And nothing is dynamic until it becomes specific. And so let's review a few of these lists together. It starts in Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 22, and it says this. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So you, you get this, that he says, hey, put off some things that are, that are old, that are, that are decaying, that are out of style. Put them off, all right? He says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I don't know if y'all saw me sporting some new swag tonight. All right, I'll let your boy. And I saw some of y'all out there. Y'all was looking good. We got some new more. I just love new. Anybody love new? I saw some new cars pull into the, the, the parking lot. God bless you. You know, we in the economic downturn. You out buying a new car. Man, I'm trying to get on that level. Anyway, so God bless you, and, and I just love the smell. I like getting a new pair of boots, and this is something I like to do. I like to go to a boot store and just put my nose in every boot hole, you know, just, and just smell it. I just love the smell of new boots, love the smell of new car. I like new babies. I like new, I like, I like new stuff, you know, and God made you that same way probably, all right? I don't know if it's that weird, but he probably made you that way, and what, what Paul is saying is that, that this is a picture of what we are to do in our spirit man that we're to go get new clothes, if you will, and we're to take off the old stuff that's out of style and it stank, you know, and we're to put on some new things. And this is a picture of the practice of Christianity. I don't know if anybody's met you, if you're here and you're following Christ, I don't know if anybody's met you since you started following Christ. You heard Nick earlier, and he's like, I've been following Jesus for three years. I know this is true of Nick because I've known him ever since he started following Christ. That Nick will run into somebody that he used to run around with when he was in his early 20s, and they're gonna be like, bro, you look the same. Oh, you, you, you look more yerk now. Anyway, you look the same, but you look better. Um, but something's different about you. <laughs> I don't know if that's happened to you. About a year ago, I was in Dallas at this conference, and I ran into this guy, and he was like, check lover? And I was like, what's up, bro? His name's Berlin the Fall. If that ain't French, I don't know what is. Anyway, and so Berlin, we were talking, and Berlin and I went to, we went to high school together. And he was like, so what are you, what, what you doing here? Like, this is a church, right? Are you okay? Are you lost, you know? And he didn't say that, but it kind of came out that way. And so um, I was like, well, I'm actually here at the conference because I'm a pastor now. He was like, what? He was shook, y'all. And, and we talked for a little bit, and then we had to go our separate ways. I get an email about a month later, and he was like, Hey, this is Berlin, um, ran into you at the conference, you know, and he's like, I just need to apologize that I seemed so surprised that you were in the ministry. <laughs> and I just typed back, I said, hey, bro, no worries. I'm surprised too. <laughs> that I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I wanna be. I haven't arrived, but I'm not who I used to be. 
because I made a decision some time ago to put off the old man and to put on the new man. I wonder if somebody was to run into you five years from now, would they see anything different? Or would they just see the same old, wanna change, keep going to spiritual things like this, but I'll never make any progress because I'm not surrendered. We're getting specific tonight. Paul, he goes on in Colossians, and he begins to expand this list a little bit. Here's what he says in Colossians 3, 5. He says, therefore, put to death your members, another way of saying putting off. He says, which are on earth, and here, here comes a list. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Listen, when, when we talk about getting specific, this isn't you and your little band of guys or girls and getting together and saying, you know what, what, what should you change? Well, I'm just trying to take a little bit off the love handles. I think God's really trying to work on that in my life, right? It's not you, I'm, just, I'm trying to get thicker fingernails, you know, so that when I get them painted, I don't have to get them glued on, I can just do the natural thing. It's not, that's not the list that we're trying to brainstorm together. No, God preserved a book and he put the list together. And so when we read these things, they read us. And we ask the question, is that me? Fornication, is that me? Covetousness, is that me? And we've prayed, search me, O oh God. Now we're searching the word of God and we're asking God, read me as I read this. He says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now, you yourselves are to put off, here's another list, all of these things. Anger, is that me? Search me, oh God. Wrath, is that me? If you don't know if it's you, just ask somebody that knows you really well. Hey, is that me? And they're like, yeah, I was <laughs> waiting for you to ask, right? Malice, blasphemy, filthy language out your mouth, is that me? Do not lie to one another. Am I a liar? Since you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him, therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on. So here's some things that you need to get specific about putting in your life. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. But above all, these things put on love. Am I loving? Which is the bond of perfection. Another list we'll look at just real quick while we're here together is Galatians 5. It starts in verse 16, and Paul says this is one of his earliest letters that Paul ever wrote. It's really one of the earliest letters in the whole New Testament. And so this is something they were doing from, from the beginning. He said this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Don't give in to every craving. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you have to do it, Right? But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Here's another list. Adultery, is that me? Fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, is that me? Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, decisions, dissensions, excuse me, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, is that me? revelries and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those who practice, note this, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul, what are you saying? What Paul is saying is that if you look at this list 
and this is a pattern in your life. What I mean by that, not that you slipped into this or not that you did this from time to time, but this is the thing that when you wake up, you plan to do one of the things on this list. If you're walking in these things while claiming to have a right relationship with God, you're a liar. If if these things are patterned in your life, you're not a Christian. And you've invented some form of spiritual Christianity, some sort of confusing cocktail where you are in the cockpit and you're driving the plane, not God. And the plane's going down. This isn't a suggestion. We don't read the book and and just say, well, you know, that's outdated and antiquated. I, I like to focus on the parts where I'm accepted and loved. But listen, God loves you so much that he wouldn't leave you where you are. That you'll never be dynamic in your faith. You'll never be dynamic in your life until you get specific. If you're taking notes, or excuse me, let's go on. Let's, let's uh, continue the list. Here's what it says. Let's get the positive here. So the list goes on in verse 22, and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit... These are the things we need to, the specific things we need to put on. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is that me? Am I those things? Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Point number three, if you're taking notes now, you could write this down. Search God's word. Search God's word. God has given you this book so that you would open it up and you would understand how you can know God and how you can live a life that is pleasing to him. There is no greater endeavor, there is no greater dynamic that you can insert into your life than to live a life with Jesus. You come Sunday and listen to Dave, or you download that movie on Amazon, and you watch the Free Burma Ranger, you'll see something exciting, something that's adding value to the world, something that's bringing hope where there's despair, something that's bringing peace where there's war, something that's bringing healing where there's sickness. And God has invited every one of us to be a part of this great movement where you usher people into an eternity with Jesus by sharing your faith and telling them about the love of God while making a profound difference in this life too. So we search the scriptures. Like You ask, like, why are these lists in the Bible? Well, when we read the word of God, again, it reads us and nothing will become dynamic <clears throat> until we get specific that, that God is not trying to kind of arbitrarily change some things in your life. He's not giving you some kind of nice isms that are gonna help you do better in life. God is trying to get specific. He wants to pinpoint particular things in your life that he longs to see transformed. He wants to get in your kitchen. He wants to get up in your grill. He wants to get in your weave. He wants to get in the details of your life. And this is good news. Because you'll never become who God's intended you to become apart from him. So we're getting specific tonight. I think so often like we read lists, like I don't know if you do this, I do this. But we'll read lists like this and we'll be like, Man, I wish my roommate would have been here tonight. He really needed to hear this one. <laughs> we'll automatically start thinking about like, um, like someone else that needed to be here tonight. Like you're already thinking, I'm, I'm gonna share this podcast with some, you know, I already know who I'm gonna share it with. <laughs> and we'll kind of deflect our need for Jesus. And I think it's because we've forgotten how much we really need Jesus. Like, like 
fancy me with this. Kind of think about this question. Um, who's the person in your life that if they came into like a right relationship with Jesus, like if they, if they got saved, however you wanna say it, you would be like blown away. Like this person in your life, the person that you know, you're like, God, you're gonna have to, you may have to like resurrect again. Like I don't, that was awesome. You may have to flex a little bit more power to get this guy because, woo, that brother is lost, right? And so like who's that person for you in your life? And if that person is anyone other than you, then you've misunderstood your need for Jesus. That I think sometimes we think that we're savable. And when we live like that, we'll read lists like this and we'll deflect our disobedience as if we good. And then we'll call it spiritual maturity when we've been walking with Jesus. But here's what I've, for a long time, but here's what I've learned, that, that the longer you walk with Jesus, oftentimes the longer the distance is between God prompting you to do something and your actual obedience. That spiritual maturity really isn't an age, but it's a distance. That spiritual maturity is marked by the distance that exists between God telling you to do something and you obeying it. And so when we read lists like this, we need to understand, first of all, we are in desperate need of Jesus' work in our life and that things have not changed. We still need him to work in our life. And so we come to God's word and we say, God, would you reveal these things? Because if you don't understand your need for Jesus, then you'll read a list like this, you'll focus on what you're good at, and you'll never experience the resurrection transformative power in your life. God wants to get specific. He doesn't wanna stay in generalities. He wants to aggressively go after certain areas of your life that are not yet surrendered. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to isolate your own needs. I need you to, this is a message for you tonight. This is a message for you right where you sit, the Holy Spirit, he can speak to every one of us in a unique way at the same time and he's right next to you. He is closer than you can ever even imagine, and he's speaking to you right now. And I want you to isolate your specific areas of need. I'm surrendered, God. Have your way in my life. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and test my anxious thoughts, and I will search your word and get specific. Point number four, if you're taking notes tonight, write this down, get specific. Get specific. We don't normally do this, it's maybe a little bit different, but here's what I want you to do. We're gonna take about two minutes. I'm just gonna keep my trap shut for a few minutes. There's gonna be a list of words that are gonna pop up back here. And I want you to pick your top three. Like think about it this way, what's your favorite sin that's on this list? Kind of a weird way of thinking about it, but I know you got one. Pick your, your top three. I want you to pull out your phone or whatever you brought. I just want you to write it down. These are the top three things that God's working on in your life. It's time to isolate our needs. It's time to get specific tonight. So y'all take a minute, look at this list, and pick your top three. Nothing is dynamic 
until it's specific. What one to three areas of your life that resonate on that list that was just up, do you need to identify and then surrender over to the Spirit of God? Because I don't know if you're anything like me, but it's exhausting to just be on this treadmill of transformation, trying to get ahead, but not getting anywhere. And so when we identify those things, practically, what do we do with them? Well, James 5.16 says this. It says to confess your trespasses or your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, it avails much. Point number five, and finally, if you're taking notes now, you could write this down. Confess to someone. Confess to someone. I can't explain it, but God does something special. When we identify specific areas of our life, we confess them to God and we say, God, would you forgive me for this? He's like, done, it's paid for. But then you open up to your brother or your sister and you say, I need to share some things with you. And so you need to find someone that you can confess what's going on and find someone that's seeking mutual change. You know, don't, don't just confess your issue to your buddy that you drink beer with, all right? That, that doesn't care about spiritual things. Find someone that is headed in the same direction and say, hey, let's, let us open up to one another. Find someone that is of the same gender. Guys, you confess to guys. Girls, you confess to girls because of some of the delicacy of some of the things that we carry in our hearts. And then once you confess those things to one another, make sure that there's confidentiality there. And then you, you pray for one another after you've shared with one another. And this is a snapshot of what we do in community all the time. Proverbs 28, 13 says this. It says that he who conceals or covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses it and forsakes it, to them they will find mercy. And this is what we do. This is why we invite people into community or into a group all the time. And a lot of that is because of my own, my own experience. I remember when I was a young adult and I, I knew the gospel. I knew that Jesus, I knew that there was a sickness called sin. <laughs> you know, I knew that I was separated from him. I knew that there was a solution called God's love demonstrated as Jesus poured out his life on the cross, that he rose from the grave. And I knew that I needed to surrender my life over to him. And I thought I had done that. But there was a new time when I was 20 years old where I surrendered my life over to Jesus in a new way. But it was marked not by just a promise that was in faith, it was marked by a promise that was in faith that led to me getting into a group with some other men. And I locked arms with this band of brothers and we began to confess our sin to one another. We began to read the scriptures together. We began to put off things that were destructive and to put on things that were productive. And we got specific and I tell you what, our lives got dynamic, every one of us. And we began to pursue Jesus and we stepped off of that treadmill of transformation, just exhausting ourselves, not getting anywhere. And we stepped onto God's path for our life and we got transformation. And that's what God wants for every one of you here. But if you think that you're gonna do it as a maverick, if you think that you're gonna do it alone, when you read the Bible, God doesn't live alone. There's no superstar Christian. This isn't a solo sport. We need each other. We need to bear one another's burdens so that we can become who God has made us to become. Nothing in our life will be dynamic until we get specific.
with what God wants to change in our life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this opportunity to get into your word. Woo! <laughs> Be reading your word thinking, golly, what's wrong with me? I thank you so much that your word is not just full of lists of things that we need to stop doing and start doing, but also your word is wrought with the redeeming love that you have for us. That when we wring out the pages of your word, we see your blood spilled out for humanity in love. And I just thank you that even when I was faithless, you remained faithful. But God, I don't wanna stay there. I don't, I don't wanna stay hypocritical. I don't want to stay trapped in my own vices. I want to change. I want to be your man. And I don't think I'm alone. So God, would you heal us, transform us from the inside out. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.